Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we talk about the Amazon Fire phone. Is it something you should buy? And can you have too much Amazon in your life? We also talk about T-Mobile giving away phones and being a little sneaky with that net neutrality. We also talk about BlackBerry's awkward square phone. We also talk about Dropbox, Google I.O., and some awesome picks with special guest Travis Kovacs. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's Don't Panic, and it's coming up next. This is Don't Panic, episode number 52, recorded June 23rd, 2014, on Amazon's phone adventures, the Square Blackberry and T-Mobile loses their mind. (laughs) Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Don't Panic, the technology podcast featuring gadgets, the internet, and you might not believe it, but also you. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Jennings, and we have got a very special episode tonight. No, I'm not addicted to painkillers. Even better, uh, we have a special guest. He is a good friend of Colby Dan and myself. Uh, he is knowledgeable on things like technology, uh, video games, and fine Mexican cuisine. It would be none other than uh, our good friend Travis Kovacs. Travis, what's up? Not too much. Thanks for having me on. Well, we appreciate you being here. Uh, I'll inform all of our viewers that uh, due to some scheduling issues this week, we're doing the show on Tuesday. Uh, Dan could not make it tonight, so Travis, you know, you can think of it like Broadway. You know, in tonight's performance, the role of Dan Miller will be played by Travis Kovacs. Um, And Colby is going to call in a little bit later into the show. Uh, He's not here for the start, but he will be here later. I will tell everyone out there... uh, as always, thank you for listening. We do the show every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on the internet. Don'tpanic.io is our website. There you'll find all our information, past episodes, audio, video, uh, link when we do the show live. Also, Facebook, iTunes, RSS. We're everywhere. Twitter, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Uh, and we hope you listen as well. We've got so many really, I think, great stories. So why don't we jump right in uh, to our top story, and that would be the Amazon Fire phone. It's been anticipated for quite a while. It's been expected that Amazon, now that they have tablets, well, why wouldn't they make a phone? Well, uh, Jeff Bezos this week said, all right, why not? And they announced what's known as the Amazon Fire phone. Um, Let's talk through some different features here, Uh, starting with the actual hardware. It's a 4.7-inch display. Um, It's Gorilla Glass on both sides with a rubber band that sort of goes around it. It has a dedicated camera button, which is an interesting feature, uh, a USB connector, uh, a quad-core 2.2 gigahertz processor, 2 gigabytes of RAMs, and an Adreno graphics processor, uh, and a 13-megapixel rear camera, and two dual-speaker, dual-stereo speakers. Very, uh, I would say, the processor's a little slower than what you'd... It's kind of between the current iPhone and the new S5, as far as graphics go. Um, and the camera is closer to that of an S5. Uh, you're, you're not far off in specs from the, the S5, the Galaxy S5, which is just a little bit better. Um, Travis, I'm sure in this uh, article we've been looking at, you've seen pictures. Do you have any uh, immediate thoughts on the sort of design aesthetic of the phone? Um, I mean, it looks like it's... Um, it looks pretty streamlined as far as you know, smartphones, uh, smartphones today go. It has a lot of cameras, you'll notice. It's got a three pretty noticeable on the front end of it and as well as another on the back for taking the pictures but it does remind me a lot of honestly a taller iphone 5s but just a tad slimmer 
Yeah, I mean, I think the design is, you know, obviously it's kind of just a black slab. I mean, there's nothing super revolutionary, but I actually think it's a relatively slick-looking phone. I like the kind of rubberized bumper that's built in. Most people add cases to their phone, but, you know, possibly it's a phone you might not actually need to add a case to. Uh, I'd also say that I think one of the features that I certainly miss on my iPhone is a dedicated camera button. Um, and we'll mm. talk in a minute about why that's so important. But I think that's another good hardware feature as well. Something that they don't put on enough phones. Um, another big feature, we talked about the camera, 13 megapixel sensor, uh, optical image stabilization. They showed preview pictures. Unsurprisingly, they looked good. We'll have to wait and see some real world tests. Uh, but a big feature of this is uh, free Amazon Cloud Drive storage, unlimited for all of your photos. Uh, it's quite a deal. Uh, now, this is, of course, if you're a Prime subscriber, but I don't know how you would have this phone and not be a Prime subscriber. Um, let's see. We're talking tangle-free earbuds. They made a big deal. Um, Dolby Digital Surround, uh, ultra-thin tangle-proof cables, uh, and magnetic earbuds that stick together, which I want to point out I had on my Zune HD several years ago. Uh, yes, I had a Zune. Sean. I loved my... You know what? I don't care what anyone says. Too little too late, but the Zune HD was a great product. Okay. Uh, that, I guess. It was the first to have an HD screen. First to have Wi-Fi built in. Couldn't do anything with the Wi-Fi, but it was there. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a nice piece of, piece of hardware. Um, let's skip to some of the more interesting stuff. Uh, instant tech support, Mayday is included. You may know this from the Kindle Fire tablets. Uh, it's a button you push and you get 24-7 free uh, support over video. They claim uh, you can connect within 15 seconds of pushing the button, and it's available over both Wi-Fi and 3G, 4G. Um... Now, one of the biggest features, and this is something I think we're definitely going to want to talk about, is what's known as Firefly. And it's a feature where you use the camera on the phone to identify things around you. So they've got algorithms and all kinds of fancy things like that. But, you know, you can point it at a product, and it knows what the product is. You can point it at a phone number, it knows what the phone number is. Um, if it hears a song, it'll Shazam it. You know, if it hears Game of Thrones playing on your TV, it'll know that's what you're watching. It's sort of a mass identification platform for Amazon. And, you know, the long-term goal, like everything Amazon does, is to get you to buy more products. And I suppose the idea would be taking the phone, pointing it at the box of cereal you're out of, and Amazon would say, oh, we have this box of cereal for $3. Would you like to one-click order it now? Um, so my question to you, Travis, I mean, is this... A, is this something you would use? And B, I mean, is it is it a little much? Do you, do you kind of think it's a little overwhelming, a little creepy, getting that kind of vibe from this? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Firefly? Uh, Firefly has, in my opinion, some pretty good you know benefits coming up, especially with um, the fact that it's kind of a counter to um, one of the Google features that I know Android has. I'm not sure if the iPhone has it as well. It's basically the same thing like if i took this coca-cola cup pointed at the label it reads coca-cola it'll search for everything coca-cola that i could find although this seems to be a bit more um advanced i suppose it, it kind of does seem like it's watching you if you have it on and you're doing something it's like oh do you want to add this to uh, say your amazon play uh wish list thing i don't know what they have for that but yeah it, it could be seen as kind of creepy but on my, uh, from what I see, it's just a really nice way for people to 
streamline a search for something instead of looking all over the internet. Yeah, and you know, that's one of the things that was interesting about the camera button is the first time you push it, it actually takes you to Firefly. You have to push it twice to go to the camera. So clearly what Amazon is saying is we want the camera to be used first for this and mm. then take pictures second. So, you know, we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago, Amazon was sending out, I forgot what they called it, for the Amazon Fresh Limited Service. It was like a little wand that could read barcodes and you'd go around your house and pick out all the groceries you needed and it would automatically send it to Amazon and the groceries would come the next week. And it was like a pilot program. But that's essentially what they've built into the phone. And there was a lot of question about who who this phone is for. And I think, and I, this is a big stretch and I hope you argue with me on this. I think it's for a new class of consumer. I think it's for the instant want it now, always on consumer. Now, no one wants to admit they're this kind of consumer because it makes us seem very selfish and very, you know, consumer focused and very capitalistic. But I mean, think about it. When Amazon teased they were doing, you know, drone deliveries, we were all salivating at the concept. Wait, I can have something in 30 minutes? You know, I mean, all Amazon's really doing is removing barriers to you purchasing things on their website. And this is what they've done the entire history of their company. Whether it's one-click purchasing, whether it's putting out their own hardware uh, so you don't have to use apps on other platforms. That's prime. I mean, that's what this company is all about, is making it easier and faster for you to buy things you want. And if that's what you want to do, this phone is without a doubt your best option. Actually, I think you're entirely right about that. I, I wish I could find something to argue, but um, it, it does seem like it's something that people will use to very quickly find and, if not get, order the things that they want within maybe a minute. And it definitely is a huge wall that's been broken down, but I kind of question whether or not it's one that needed to be broken down, except for the fact that we're in a new age where everything has to happen fast. But I think... But I think the problem comes in where a phone is a device you spend several hundred dollars on and own for two years. Traditionally, I know that's not the same for everyone, but that's kind of the most common situation. This isn't a phone. It, it, I mean, you could, but it's not. they're not marketing it as a phone you're going to play Angry Birds on. It's not the phone you're going to be reading Twitter on. This is a phone designed to do the core uh, text messaging, phone calls, email and for using Amazon services. You know, at least Android, while the core is Google, no one really thinks of it as a Google-only phone. But they didn't once talk in this entire almost hour and a half announcement about the Amazon App Store. I, I don't even know if they said it was going to be on there. I mean, I think it's a fair assumption to say that it would be. But they never once talked about any third-party apps. They never once talked about anything like that. So I guess my question is, it's a cool idea, but are there enough customers out there who are serious enough about Amazon to forego all the extra things you get on an iPhone or an Android with a more wide-open uh, plan that they're going to want this phone? I don't think anything is really marketed as... As much of a phone as it used to be. Now, every, now, um, as we saw in the, um, what was it, the WWDC with, uh, iTunes, or with iTunes, with Apple, 
Um, they didn't really talk too much about something that a normal phone would do. Yeah, there were a few things about you know, text messaging and um, or, or group messaging and connecting to other people, but mainly it was going over apps. It was going over um, the AirPlay that you could connect to different devices, and the same thing is happening here. People know it's a phone. They get that it can call and text and do all that. But what they're marketing now are the new features. And since no one's actually made a phone that does this, that is so centric to, clearly centric to one business, like in this case, Amazon, um, this is what they're jumping on. It's like, this this is basically Amazon, and you get a nice phone out of it, too. I think that's a really interesting perspective, and I hadn't thought of that, in that people do expect those core functionalities, and they are there. It's really what you get on top of that that makes it unique. And I think uh, Samsung has proven this with all the kind of extra crap they put on top of their phones. But I guess... I'm trying to think how I want to word it. I guess what's interesting to me is... Well, uh, l- let me let me put it this way. It runs Fire OS, the same operating system that runs on the Fire tablets. It's a modified version of Android that has no Google apps and runs the Amazon app store. It's been time and time again proven that not only is regular Android kind of slow to upgrade and has its issues, but Fire OS has been pinged before by critics for not being the world's greatest operating system. Do you think people are willing to forego the comfort of Android or the comfort of iOS for a little used, a little known, and often buggy operating system for these extra features? Or, or do you think that will be a roadblock for, for purchasers and users? It definitely is a roadblock. Um, I mean, from my perspective, I'm used to Android. I'm used to iOS. I'm not so sure how I would feel switching to something completely different um, in that way. And it's definitely, um, they definitely would have to put in a lot more than just ridiculous amounts of Amazon features to compete with some of the more, um, commonplace, I guess, phone operating systems. Yeah. I mean, it's I just, I, it's so cool and it's such a good idea, but at the same time, I just couldn't see having this as my everyday cell phone, you know? Like, if Amazon, like, I like the idea of the little pen wand thing they had. You know, if, I almost see it more like an iPod Touch than an iPhone, like, a device you don't use every day. Like, I could imagine buying a Fire Phone. It doesn't need 3G or 4G, just Wi-Fi, and just keep it in your house. To me, even, that makes more sense. I mean, obviously, there's advantages to having it on the go, but, and maybe I'm just, like, a cell phone snob, I don't know, but... From everything I've seen of this phone, I can't imagine having this be my everyday for two years phone. Yeah, you're right. I I don't think I could. Um, I don't think I could do the same thing. Which really bugs the hell out of me because I was watching the announcement and I'm like, I want all of this. Like, if they released Firefly as an app for iOS. Yeah, I was just thinking. Can you make an they, app of everything you've just said? <laughs> which they could. I mean, they absolutely could. There's a few hardware features that I don't think they uh they could do um i'm sorry i'm multitasking because we are adding uh america's favorite technology co-host to the call that's right uh as soon as we get him in here 
it would be none other than the Coldster, Colby Rabidou. Colby, can you uh, flip your video uh, off and on again for us? Yeah, I can do that. That better? Yeah, perfect. All right, welcome back, Colby. Thanks. Crisis averted. Crisis averted. That's all we can hope for. Uh, we're talking the uh, Amazon Fire Phone here. Fire Phone! Fire Phone. And, you know, <laughs> well, you just... seem excited. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not <laughs> we were just so we were just talking to Firefly and some of the you know unique features of this phone, and I guess our core argument came down to this idea of it's a really cool idea to have a device that does Amazon everything, but could you have that as your everyday phone for two years? Is is my question? I mean, where where do you kind of? I mean, is this a phone you would consider buying? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I for no like. I, I don't have a logical reason for not wanting to, but it it just feels to me like it seems like if I'm gonna have a phone with an app store, I'd rather have that app store be Google's or Apple's, and I don't know like if it's actually the case that either of those are better than Amazon's app store, but it seems to me that like Amazon's app store is a subset of the Google app store. Um, yeah, but. as far as I know, the Amazon App Store, app developers, it's basically, I don't, they have to tweak their code, like, slightly, but I think it's a, just a resubmission process. You just have to submit it separately uh -huh. to the Amazon Store. But it's it's Android, so it's not radically different. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's cool. Like, it seems like, I mean, it, honestly, it seems kind of like just another Android device. And, like, you know, it has its, like, random cool shit. Like, every, you know, all the other Android devices have their, their one or two random cool things. I don't know. It's not, it doesn't seem like a game changer. Like, so, I guess if you were super into the Amazon stuff, right? Like, yeah, well, that was all, all you did for yeah, everything. If you were super into Apple stuff, you'd get an iPhone. I mean, it's an ecosystem question, but I mean, I, I would, I would posit, you know, do you think that these company that Amazon could achieve its goals of, I'm assuming, increasing sales and customer loyalty and all these things, Prime subscriptions? by releasing these features as apps on other platforms, Firefly as an iOS app or as an Android app, do you think they could get the same results or do you think they have to have their own hardware? And I think that's probably the internal debate Amazon is having. And, and yeah. for them, they believe it's about the hardware. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, a certain appeal to like controlling your own destiny, right? Like yeah. you're, I mean, Especially, especially on iOS, but like, I, I'm sure to some extent on on Google's Android too. You're kind of like, you know, at any time, like Apple Apple could come along and totally ruin your day. Basically, is the way it goes. I think. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think. I mean, it kind of makes. I don't know. Like. It makes sense in that they have a tablet. I don't know why my video keeps turning itself <laughs> off. Amazon's listening, um, they know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a tablet and they have a phone now. So, like, 
you know, maybe it makes sense to have those two things like work nicely together. Like if you have a a tablet. Well, and, and I. I think I think that's really the core argument, and and I think at least my conclusion on the Fire Phone goes down to this. If you th- and there's also Amazon Fire TV, remember? So oh, yeah. you include Fire TV, Kindle Fire tablet, Fire Phone, the website, yeah, Prime, video, music, fo- now photos. They have photos. They have photos. We just talked about that. Unlimited photo storage in Amazon Cloud uh, when you have the phone. Uh, which is a very nice feature. I I think my argument comes down to this. If you're an Amazon head and you already own a Fire TV and a Fire tablet and you use Amazon for everything, then yeah, this probably is the phone for you. But I would make the argument that if you are ecosystem agnostic, you're not particularly committed to any one, I would probably not recommend this phone. At yeah, I think yet. that's... That seems reasonable. Because cause to me, it's almost like this, for the same reason I wouldn't recommend a Samsung phone. The, the sort of quirky features that they claim are extras over their competitors, I don't think make up for the fact that it's a lackluster device. Yeah. Or that the Indeed. gimmicks get in the way or things like that. And, and there's one other feature I want to talk about and then we'll move on is, um, of course, the 3D phone. This was the big teaser and everyone said, what's the 3D phone going to be? Um well, they've managed to pack uh, four cameras and four infrared sensors into the front of the phone. It's actually five because there's the one in the middle for video chat uh, and selfies. But the the way it works is the uh, four cameras track all the different dimensions of your head uh, in space. And it's amazing. I don't even know how they do it. And, uh, and by doing that, you're able to do things like take the phone and when you like kind of move your head around it kind of moves with you uh you can apparently and I'm, i you can scroll through web pages just kind of moving your as you move your head down which doesn't make sense because eventually you'll be looking at your you know your crotch or something um <laughs> it's a little ridiculous like i don't think i could if you, i think it'd be really too weird to see someone walking down the street just doing this all day <laughs> but it's and he, Sam- like, if you listen to music, yeah. But that can Samsung's that. had that feature for years, though, and I don't remember if it tracked your eyes or it tracked. Oh yeah, you remember you used to when Sam- could- Samsung has Samsung has all kinds of features like that, where like it'll keep the screen open if you're if you're if you're looking at it, like if it can see your face, and there are things like you can wave at it and it'll do stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I, oh, yeah, I, I didn't hear about that. I was- that's still kind of weird to me. I don't think a phone should be that immersive to what you personally are doing. Like, you need to do something. Just just click the button. Tell it to do it. You don't need a camera for it. I think the, the only thing to me that's promising about this is that Samsung will throw any feature on a phone. They, like, literally don't care. Their standards are <laughs> shockingly low. <laughs> but for me, I believe that if Amazon is putting a feature on a phone, they know what they're doing. I trust that in the same way if Apple puts a feature on a phone, I may not understand why, but I trust that Apple knows what they're doing. And, you know, maybe Amazon's too new to the hardware game. I'm not sure, but they must know something we don't. And I- I'm going to have faith in Amazon that they have some kind of plan for this that 
makes it worth it. Now, it could be the fact that, you know, they're going to use the four cameras to use facial recognition and track everything you do and everywhere you go just to sell you more products. <laughs> it's a real possibility. Um, I can see it happening. But as far as using it to scroll and to play games and things like that, I, I don't necessarily buy that. They, they, I think they've got to do better. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I mean, that, that one does seem like kind of gimmicky. Uh, like, maybe, I don't know, like, maybe there are cool, cool applications of that sort of thing in the future, but I don't think these are the cool applications. Um, that being said, though, like, the other, the other features, like, the Firefly thing, do, I, they at least make sense from an Amazon, like, from an Amazon point of view, like, you can take yeah. pictures, like look buy at things with your camera and buy them on Amazon. Like that, that makes total sense. At least it's not like ridiculous. Like I feel like Samsung's Samsung's plan is like they'll do anything as long as they can do it first. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> no, you're exactly right. So yeah, it's at minimum the technology is cool. Like they demoed how it tracks your head. I mean, putting four cameras and four infrared sensors is very interesting. So um, it's all about how applications and how Amazon uses it. And that's a wait and see. Uh, I'll wrap up our Fire Phone discussion by letting you know, of course, you after you've talked about how great we think it is, you want to go out and buy it. Well, uh, at least for now, you have to be an AT&T subscriber. Um, they didn't say explicitly it was an exclusive, but that's the only carrier it's been announced for. So we'll stick with it there. You get 32 gigabyte model starting at $199.99 on contract, $299.99 for 64 gigabytes. And you can get any model off contract for uh, starting at $649. However, if you do buy one, you get 12 free months of Amazon Prime. Uh, even if you're a current member, they tack it on your subscription. So technically, as a $99 value, it really brings the, the cost of the phone down to $99.99. Whoa. Which is compelling. It is. I, I you know, if, you know, I, I think, and I think we're we're all kind of on the same page. I mean, if you're if you're a Prime subscriber and you're a big Amazon person and you can't get enough Amazon in your life, then damn it, they built a phone for you. <laughs> I, I guess the question is like, are there big Amazon people? Like, I'm a big Amazon person in that, like, when I buy things, I buy them from Amazon. <laughs> but like. I don't know. Are there people who are really... I guess there must be, or maybe. I, I, mean, I don't I, know. I think there are, and I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, if this... If they... If it were available on my carrier... See, this is the problem. There's all these barriers. If it were on my carrier, and it wasn't running Fire OS, mm. but still had these features, I would seriously consider it. Firefox mm -hmm. OS, or Fire, Firefox OS, Fire OS, very different. They're different. Uh, they are, is a big turnoff <laughs> for me because I've used the Amazon App Store on Android and it's awful. Yeah. Now that could just be because it's on. Well, why is it awful? It's it's really buggy. It crashes a lot. App management. Oh, the pain. app is awful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, it baked in and I've used early versions of Fire OS on some of the first Kindle uh, devices and I was not impressed. You know, could it be different? I don't know. That that's that's what kills it for me. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, like all things considered, it's pretty young compared to regular Android. So, 
but it's probably going to be some rough edges. That's the tough thing about phones. You know, people spend a lot of money on them. They buy one every two years. I mean, it's a, a tablet isn't the commitment you get with a phone. A phone you use every day, all day. It's not like a tablet. That's true. So, that's um, true. All right, why don't we move on uh, to another story? Uh, we're. Do you guys want to do trivia tonight? I'm concerned about time. We're already about 20 minutes. We're actually about half an hour in, so maybe we'll skip trivia tonight. Because um, I really okay. want to get to some of these stories. Uh, T-Mobile, the fourth place cell carrier here in the United States, um, announced the next version of their uncarrier which is what they call all the big things they do to buck the trends <laughs> and sell. Uh, and this, uh, they announced two things. So uh, the first being what they call test drive. Uh, and the way it works is T-Mobile will mail you an iPhone 5 and you can use it for free on their network for a week, see how you like it, and then send it right back to them without costing you a dime. Uh, it's an interesting concept. I will say I actually did the research because I thought about trying it. Uh, and the way it works is they put a $700 charge on your credit card that they then lift when you return the phone, unsurprisingly. Makes uh, sense. <laughs> you also have to return the phone in person to a T-Mobile store, um, of which there are none anywhere near me because we don't really get T-Mobile here. Um, but outside of that, anyone can do it. Uh, T-Mobile thinks 1 million people will test drive the phones. Um, the other interesting part of this is that Apple is actually providing these phones at no cost to T-Mobile um, in an effort to hypothetically sell more iPhones. Wow. Um, Being a hitman never got easier. They're basically <laughs> just giving you a burner phone, then you go back to T-Mobile. Basically, yeah. And it's actually, actually what's funny is if you... It says right in the terms, like what you, you know, if you get water on it and damage it, you don't get your money back. And one of them is if you activate find my iPhone, they won't give you your money back. Because I guess there's some kind of weird so thing where they can't reset the phone after you read it. I don't know. But that was in the disclaimer, which I thought was amusing. Kind of weird. Like, what if you do actually lose it? <laughs> I don't, I, you're really, if you can't, you although to be fair, if you can't there. track your phone for seven days, I don't know. Should you have a phone? <laughs> so, uh, before we move on to the second half of this announcement, any thoughts on, on test drive? I mean, is this, would you consider trying this? Is this a, an interesting idea? I know Colby, you already have T-Mobile. I do. I already, I also like. I don't know. I already have an iPhone. I feel like I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think about like why someone would want to do this. And I guess I guess maybe part of it is the the switching networks thing. I think that's that's obviously probably T-Mobile's hope, right? That like you can try it for a while and find out like oh T-Mobile doesn't actually suck that much where I am. Um, where you are, but oh yeah, I mean, I I meant the hypothetical like person that I was being, but also where I am, it's not it's not bad at all because I have actually been. it's not bad here either. I've seen yeah, and I think I think that's that's the perfect argument for why T-Mobile of all companies would would do this program. I mean, wh why are T-Mobile and Sprint struggling? Well, Sprint has a reputation for terrible customer service, and T-Mobile has a reputation for having no coverage anywhere. Those may not be true. 
But I think those are the reputations. I mean, people ask me all the time, yeah. oh, I see ads for T-Mobile, and I tell them, make sure they have coverage in your area. It's not as broad as other networks. And what's the only way you can combat that? Either word of mouth from friends, which if no one in your area has tried T-Mobile because they're afraid to, so why not send someone a phone and prove them wrong? Right, right. Yeah, and then like if you have a friend that tells you make sure you try to you check their coverage because they might not have it in your area, like you don't actually go and check the coverage. You just don't get T-Mobile, which yeah. is like. <laughs> and those maps don't, you know, the maps online they show where it's all pink and oh we've got cover. You know, it, I don't know how really representative those are. <laughs> Once you start throwing in yeah. different towers and mountains and things like that. I don't think until you actually hold a phone in your hand can you really know how the coverage is in your area. Yeah, I'm sure there's like coverage. There's like you can make a phone call. <laughs> um, and, and like my my parents' house, I get like like pre-edge data, whatever oh. that was called, like yeah. like first G, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think it's a really I think it's a really cool idea, and uh, I've always been a big fan of these things T-Mobile are doing to try and be different. Uh, that was going to be our trivia this week was to see if you could name all the other because this was Uncarrier Six, and if you could name all the previous things they had done. Oh, interesting! To, to make them different. Oh, I would know you, none of them. Can you list them off real fast? Uh, I can. Let me open up the article here that has the list. Um, so the first was uh, what they called Simple Choice, which was just essentially simplifying cell plans into one plan. The second was uh, what they called Jump, and that was where you put zero down on a phone and mm -hmm. uh, paid for it each month. Then they did Free International Roaming, uh, the next was uh, early termination fee payoff, uh, mm. and then the next one was no a new set of no contract plans, uh, now including 4G, and then it was test drive and what we're going to talk about right now, which is music freedom. Music um, free. Music freedom. It's a new initiative where uh, T-Mobile has decided that certain music providers, including the likes of Pandora, Rhapsody, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Radio Slacker, Spotify, Samsung's Milk, which I guess is a music service now, um, and other services. Well, uh, yeah, I know, because Samsung really needed a music service. Uh, they announced that those music services would not count towards your data. On your phone, so if you have say five gigabytes a month, uh, all other really traffic you do uh, doesn't apply. Uh, does apply, but these music do not. Uh, of course, this caused people to cry net neutrality, as most of these things do, claiming that it's not fair for T-Mobile to pick and choose who gets to do what um, on their phones. However, it is perfectly legal for them to do it, um, and I, I do find it important to note that. These services are not paying T-Mobile. T-Mobile is voluntarily exempting them as a value add to customers. Right, right. So should yeah. we be concerned? No, I think. Well, maybe not to say no. <laughs> I think maybe, but like I think there are bigger worries for the time being than than T-Mobile giving away free stuff. Um, yeah, it, it might be if, say, larger carriers start doing it with some kind of money transaction. Like, if, <laughs> right. 
like if Verizon or AT&T decided, hey, uh, Spotify, you want to pay us for, you know, free transfer? I wouldn't be using Spotify. That wouldn't be fair to any of the other music players. So for now, it's not too much to worry about being as T-Mobile is, sorry, Colby, not as popular. Um, but doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I get all this crazy free shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for now, I agree with Colby. It's not too big of a, not too big of a scare. Yeah, I mean, I was actually AT and T has come right out and said that they plan to make it available for companies to pay to exempt their traffic. And I was kind of surprised that Amazon didn't do that for things like May Day and Firefly and pay to make that data yeah. free for consumers. I was almost expecting that, but. To be honest, of all the scenarios of sketchy data allowances, I feel like this is the best one you could have asked for. Because T-Mobile is voluntarily doing it. They're not purposefully picking any specific companies. It's Mm. great for consumers, great for these companies. You know, I understand it's a slippery slope, but I don't think this particular slope is all that... uh, is, is all that slippery. I, I think it's... Yeah, uh, I mean... There's friction. I, right. I, I agree. Like, My this is... Pro- like, <laughs> right. If, if all of a sudden, T-Mobile got super popular, like, I feel like this is not entirely sustainable either. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if, if, their, if their networks got super congested, like Verizon's or AT&T's are, um, like... But having everyone streaming music all the time might not be something <laughs> something that they wanted. Yeah. Um, but like for now, I don't know. I, I think that as far as net neutrality goes, the Netflix, Comcast stuff is a much much scarier uh, scarier future than than this. Like yeah. I don't know. I feel like this is just like T-Mobile being T-Mobile at this point. I think it's awesome. Quite honestly. Yeah. I don't. I I feel like, I don't know. I don't even need unlimited data anymore. Oh, because because most of it's music. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's not true. I, I I use tethering and all the time. So, I I guess that's that's definitely the largest chunk of my monthly data usage. But. Well, uh. That's excellent. Why don't we move on to our next story? I want to give a quick shout out to our live viewer, Liz Jasko. This one goes out to you. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate you joining us on the show. Um, let's talk about what time is it? Let's see how we're doing on time. I don't want to go too late. Oh, we're doing fine. Uh, is there a particular story you guys want to talk about next or should I just uh, go for one? Um, I don't think we should talk about Android because Googleio is going to be next week, right? Or after this week? When it, is Googleio? It is tom- the keynote is tomorrow at starting at noon. Yeah. yeah so we can talk about Android next week. Yeah. Oh, um, next week is going to be all Google I/O because they're announcing a ton of stuff. All Google all the time. All Google all the time. Uh, why don't we? I want to quickly. We don't have to talk long about this, but have you guys seen this BlackBerry phone? <laughs> no, I, yeah. can't say I, oh, I just saw it. You got to pull up this photo. It's ridiculous. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I know. It's I actually have to full screen this. Hold on. Make Let me uh, put it up for the uh, video viewers to look at here. <laughs> this is the uh, BlackBerry Passport. They say it's coming in financial year 15. 
and it's just kind of a Why? big square phone. Now, mind you, this is not a this isn't tablet size. This is like you can see it in this picture next to a traditional phone. I mean, it's it's a phone. It's just really wide. And I know that Apple got the you know the copyright on beveled edge rectangular phones, but this is this is taking it a bit too far. I mean, <laughs> it kind of almost to me looks like. You see someone online, like, when they do mock-ups of what phones look like, and you're like, that's stupid. They would never make a phone that looks like that. You know, it kind of looks like a bad Photoshop. Well, now they have a phone that looks like that, and it's probably because it's the exact size and shape of a passport. Actually, it's a bit thicker or um, wider than an actual passport. Yeah. I Just call it the BlackBerry Square. I mean, for the only reason I think this phone would work would be to, like a tablet, hold it two-handed. And, and doing things with your thumbs on both sides of the screen. No one. Yeah, because, because, I mean, because a standard cell phone's not wide enough, really, to do that. Right, right. But, like, that, that I mean, by default, that makes it too big to use with one hand. Yeah, you're right. So, like, why wouldn't you just get a tablet, then? I don't, I don't understand. And, and like, think of it this way. How cool would Aiden Pierce from Watch Dogs look with a cube phone doing this to hack him? Yeah. Not cool at all, actually. <laughs> he has to, like, put away his gun. And... <laughs> well, that's well, like, of... hold on, police. There's a whole thing. Oh, God. That's one of my favorite things is when uh, companies use product placement and you're like, why is Jack Bauer on 24 using a Microsoft Surface? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I really hope they put this in, like, Gossip Girl or some ridiculous, like, you know, Teen Wolf or some show like that. Just because I want to see, like, kids in high school be like, check out my new BlackBerry. That's that's my secret hope because that would be the hilarious. Yeah, the new passport. Wow, that's wide. That looks stupid. Right? <laughs> um, all right, one more story. You want to talk Dropcam or OneDrive? Uh, we, we can talk about the escalating storage wars or the escalating Google buying everything wars. I like that second one. All right, let's talk Dropcam. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's a little it's a little complicated, but we'll start from the top. So have you heard of Google? No. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I, we're gonna have to go way back <laughs> if you don't. Know that. <laughs> so there's a company called Google. Uh, they have a search website uh, and self-driving cars and the like. And uh, a while back, they acquired a company called Nest. This was a company that made cool things like internet-connected smoke detectors and thermostats. Well, today Nest. Well, not today, this week. Nest bought Dropcam. So technically, Dropcam is owned by Google, but it was really Nest that bought them. It's a little complicated. Uh, if you're not familiar, Dropcam is a company that makes uh, home and business monitoring cameras. They've been around for five years. Uh, these are cameras that, over Wi-Fi, you kind of just stick around, uh, and they stream 24 hours a day to the Internet. Uh they're saying that they expect to treat Dropcam just like any other kind of auxiliary service in the same way they treat Nest, where it won't become, you know, Google Camera or anything like that. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that, um, let's see, Dropcam's price was $555 million, uh, which is a uh, pretty good value for them. I think what's interesting to me is, I mean, and they're going to talk about it at I.O. tomorrow. We basically know that home automation, Apple's discussed it. Google's going to be getting big into it. Uh, But it's interesting to me that Google now owns these companies, whereas Apple has to get partners. You know, it was also announced today, and I don't have a link in the rundown, but Nest also, uh, they didn't announce it. They released their sort of developer's kit to integrate with Nest products. So things like 
uh, Ift, which we've talked about on the show. They have they're integrated mm-hmm. with Mercedes Benz now, where as your car comes home, it adjusts the heat um, and all kinds of these other services, which they have a uh, interest in getting as many of these companies to work with them because, as we know, it's a very fractured market. If everyone goes to Apple, they're going to use Apple standards, and Google's in tough shape. So I guess my question to you guys is, A, how important is it for Google to own these services? And B, where do we see Google's home future going? If that's even a competent question. And it might not be. Um, you can go first, Colby. Wait, what was the first question? <laughs> I did throw a lot in there, didn't I? Um, what, what does it mean now that Google is starting to acquire not just one, but multiple home automation, ho- digital home type uh, companies? I mean... New society entirely controlled by Google. Oh my <laughs> God. You know, I'm sorry. I don't want to take it off the rails, but I don't... I, you guys have lives and things, but, you know, what's fascinating to me, The, the Verge put out an article today, and it, and it was a parody article about how Google created Skynet. And it was like a guy in the future and he's like, we trusted them at first with all our data. And then they started, and then in 2015, they announced the Google robot cars and then they decided they didn't need humans and they spun it. And it was a satirical piece, but it actually got me really angry. (laughs) Because A, hello Verge, you're a news website. And I don't know why you're publishing that. Like if The Onion wants to publish that, fine. I don't see why you needed to do that. And the other thing is it really bugs me when news sites sort of stoke the flames of panic for no reason. I mean, we're don't panic. We're supposed to tell you to not panic. And it really bugs me when they constantly put out these articles that's like, you know, Google's destroying our future. Google's going to own everything. Google, and regardless of how true that is, I just think it's kind of ridiculous that, well, Google just bought Dropcam. That means they're going to be our robot overlords. You know, like that's, come on. That's, <laughs> that's just stupid. You missed the whole yeah. story in the middle there. Like first they acquire Nest, A, B, C, D, and then X is new world order. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's, it just pisses me off because they're a news site. Why are you writing that? I'm sorry. I'm I all mean- for humor. I feel like right. that's what like that's what half of tech journalism is. It's like, you know, yeah. oh, Facebook is stealing your data. Google's watching your mom in the bathroom. Or <laughs> like, I don't know. Has that been an article? <laughs> they, uh, that, that that was that was that was that just. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So no. Anyway, go go ahead and talk about Dropcan now that I've shouted a bit. I mean, I think this this like product makes a butt ton of sense in in the nest arsenal of things you know what i mean like i personally am not sure how i feel about cameras in my home uh, i feel like whether yeah whether or not they're mine or someone else's it's it makes me equally as un, equally uncomfortable um i know i believe we've talked about this before because Dan has has more liberal sensibilities <laughs> than I do, um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I could see. I don't know. I 
I think this makes sense. Um, as far as Google taking over the world, I mean, uh, <laughs> they're, I don't know, they're buying shit left and right. It's like, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So. Well, when, you, when you've got coffers of cash... You know, and, and it's fascinating to me. It, it's such a it's such a different attitude than Apple, because Apple basically says people want to partner with us. Why do we need to buy people when we just open the doors and the floodgates open and all these companies rush to be part of our new home automation program? And Google's taken sort of the opposite approach and said, we're worried no one wants to partner with us, so we're just going to buy everybody. That's not even uh, that's not even like a true opinion. Everyone loves Google. Um, in fact, the Google Fiber that they have coming out, there are cities in the U.S. that are throwing money hand over foot doing such odd things to have Google come into their town and hook that's, them up to Google Fiber. Well, that's true, but I think that's a different case. I mean, I think the problem with the home automation stuff is standards. And I, I think people have been saying that for a long time. What happens when my Philips light bulbs don't talk to my Nest thermometer and don't talk to my Apple iPhone and don't... I mean, that's really the concern. Huh. And, and it, it's... To me, anyway, it's a barrier to entry into buying these products. Uh, you know, am I wrong? I mean, this is this is. I feel like this is not a unique thing, though. Like this happens with all sorts of things, um, and eventually one wins. Like you know, it's like Blu-ray and HD DVD. Like, what's HD DVD? It was a different thing. Um, I don't know. Like I. I I don't think a lot of this stuff is really avoidable because like companies don't develop new products in tandem. Like they're not, you know, they're not collaborating. So like really, I mean, what has to happen is one of these things needs to get critical or, or some of these maybe at nest or something else needs to get critical mass to the point where they can say, all right, here's this standard or here's our proposal for a standard and and all the the little guys adopt that you know it's um and unfortunately not like i don't know i mean i think that's what it is and i, I mean the 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 solution right is in is software i think in this case anyways yeah, like, yeah. and and i agree i think that's what google's betting on personally yeah. uh, and you know i think the other side of this too is you know they took the the nest uh, uh fire alarm off the market for what was it a few months because of certain safety issues and they weren't selling it and what's interesting to me when they put it back on the market they slashed the price it used to be hmm. i think 199 now it's 99 i mean they slashed the price and i think that is another barrier to entry that i think yeah yeah being owned by google really helps in the same reason it's... in the same reason why oculus is happy to be bought by facebook it's th it's resources Right. It's resources and like the the clout to like bargain, you know, to 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 bargain with your supply suppliers and things, mm -hmm. um, definitely. And I think like for the smoke detector, that makes a ton of sense because I mean, for for many most people, I don't know if most people is the right word, but like a lot of people, you need more than one smoke detector in your house and $200 is a lot of money to pay for a smoke detector. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing like, you know, I know Dan got one, but he has like one smoke detector in his apartment, maybe two, but I think he only has one, right? It's like, he lives in a, in a you know, a one bedroom apartment in New York. It's not that big. 
Um, but like, if you have a house or even a two bedroom apartment, you know, there's like, I don't know. I live in a three bedroom apartment. There's like five smoke detectors. They're everywhere. Yeah, and and that's that's the Google advantage. I mean, I could see down the road them offering package deals and say, well, you know, two Nest thermometers, two Nest smoke detectors, and two drop camps for X price. And, and right. you know, included with that, you get the software and the setup and the integration with your Google account. And, you know, make it make it simple and easy and affordable for consumers. And I think by being owned by Google, that's the advantage you get. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, some good news. Uh, before we get into picks, I do want to remind everybody that Google I.O. Uh, is happening tomorrow. The keynote starts at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, it's streaming around the Internet live. Uh, I wanted to do a live event. I got to go to work. Bummer. Because um, we had so much fun doing the <laughs> Apple one. But you should tune in next Monday because we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage on everything they announce. We're talking new versions of Android. We're talking watches, 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 watches. We're talking Android in your home, Android in your car, Android in your underpants. It doesn't matter. It's going to be Google everywhere. Uh, so you're going to want to watch it. It's going to be fun. Um, so let's move into our picks. Uh, and I'm going to go first because I said so. Um, go for it. So as I've said before yeah, on the show, many of you know uh, <laughs> that I just got a new job last week. And thank you. Thank you. It's fun to be employed. And as part of that, as part of that That's job, it's, 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 you. it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a corporate job, you know, business casual attire, slacks, dress shoes. So, you know, I was giving my wardrobe a look over and I realized, well, one part of that is your bag. You take a bag with you every day to work. It's got your computer in it, your files in it, you know, your umbrella. I don't know, whatever you put in your bag. And my bag was like five years old. It had seen better days, been slammed around here, there, and everywhere. So I started doing research into what bag I should buy. I kind of figured that there were kind of two different types of bags most people buy. One is the leather sometimes antique Etsy style kind of nice Colby you have a bag that perfectly defines what I'm talking about the uh the bag that yes exactly and the other side of that is your kind of your nylon your your uh plastic your kind of not as leathery uh I opted to go with the latter so I picked up and this is heavy because it's filled with all my work stuff This is the uh, Timbuktu Commute Messenger Bag. Um, you know, we've talked on the show, and I know, Colby, you're a big fan, and I don't know about you, Travis, but the uh, the Sweet Home and the Wire Cutter, uh, yep. these sites that lovingly tell you the best of everything. Well, this was their uh, one of their picks. They actually have a couple picks for bags. This was one of their picks as the best bag to get. So I've been using it for a week now, and I'm going to give you my mini review if you're ready for that. Braced and ready. So they have a couple different models. This is the Commute Messenger bag. This is a Diablo. Got the red with the black stripe in there. Um, I have a good name for it. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, you, you can do custom colors on these, which is a lot of uh, fun. You can build your own, or you can order them in preset colors. I got this on Amazon because I get uh, free two-day shipping. Um, so in the front, we've got a couple uh, buckles. Ugh, so heavy. Um, so you see, you've got a, uh, a pretty good-sized pocket in there. I've got a, a thick book, 
uh, my pad, and it's got, you know, like any bag, thousands of pockets for all your stuff. Uh, I've got an umbrella in there as well. There's a pocket here in the front. I've got a lanyard in it. Um, but certainly one of my favorite features here in the back is the laptop storage packet. So this actually kind of unfolds, as you can see. And in the bottom is my laptop, and in the top here is uh, where I keep my tablet and my charger. This is actually designed to go through TSA security. That's why it opens this way, so you can actually just put it without having to take your laptop out. Wow. Um, it's got That's the, kind of thoughtful of them. It is, you know, and I, I don't travel that often, but certainly, you know, it, they're known for being great bags for travelers. It's got the handle here on the top and the uh, traditional strap. Overall, I mean, you know, how much can you say about a bag? It holds your stuff, but it's, I think for me, it's got a five-year uh, anything-goes warranty on it. It's actually, it actually has a forever, has a forever manufacturer's warranty on it, but I think it's five years and they'll replace it for free. These are known to last forever. You can customize them in any color scheme you want ton of great pockets and I really like how they hold the laptop in the back. I've been using it for a week and I'm incredibly satisfied. If you're looking for a bag uh, that looks good enough for you to bring to a classy workplace, uh, I actually think this fits the bill. I've seen other guys at work use these. It is the Timbuktu Commute Messenger Bag. Uh, it is at Timbuktu.com, but I recommend you go to our website, don'tpanic.io. There I have a link to the exact model I bought on Amazon. And if you buy it, we actually get a kickback. So I think you, uh, if you're interested, please use our link. Uh, it is retailing on Amazon for... Uh, I have to look. Because it varies. You know, they come in different sizes and different colors. Uh, depending on your size, they average about 120 per bag you can get them that was the medium bag i showed you believe it or not they go up to extra large i can't imagine how huge that is um, are you hauling an extra large bag <laughs> yeah i mean the medium holds a 15 inch laptop so what do you put wow. an extra large yeah i know it's shocking um <laughs> a 17 inch laptop i guess <laughs> you know uh, your desktop at that point um so yeah the small tower tower Timbuktu Commute Messenger Bag. Uh, they have a series of bags. They're really nice. I'm very satisfied if you're in the market for a bag. It's one I'd uh, definitely recommend. So that mm. is my pick. Who uh, who wants to own it? We'll let Colby go, and then we'll let our guest send us out oh, in style. That's so, to do it. Uh, nice. Go for it. So, so, um, I, so I last week bought a PS4. Um, our... Travis, are you a PS4-er or an X-Boner? I'm a PS1 through 4-er. <laughs> nice. All right, cool. Collect them all. That's exciting. I, historically, I've had an Xbox, but Dan got a PS4, and we're it's not okay. going to be able to play Destiny together yeah. unless I, I got a PS4, too. So I did. Um, but in any case, there aren't that many PS4 games, it seems. Or at least not that many that I'm interested in playing. But what I did get when I bought the console was um, Tomb Raider, which was it was a PS3 game, but they like remastered it for PS4, so it's like Tomb Raider: The Definitive Edition. So I don't know, it, it looks better or something. From what I've been told, it's like literally, or from what I what I read online, it's like the exact same game. It just looks different. Um, yeah, they do for the next gen consoles. Like that yeah. PS4 and like, hey, the graphics much better. 
Yeah, yeah. So I will say the the graphics were great. It looks awesome. Um, but also the game was was like fun as hell. It was it was really great. Um, I don't know. Like you get to kill stuff and so jump like on it. stuff. Cool. Uh, I I. It's hard to describe why I liked it. It's kind of interesting. Like the story is supposed to be like an origin story kind of thing, like like Batman Begins style, where like you know you play this like young, inexperienced Laura Croft who gets stranded on this island and like gets really freaked out about stuff at first, and like by the end she's like this cold blooded killer. It's kind of interesting, um, but in general it was satisfying and really fun to play. So if if you got a PS4 and haven't played Tomb Raider. Check it out. Very cool. Tomb Raider Definitive Edition for the PlayStation from Sony. Uh, I think it might also be available on the Xbox One if if you're, you're of that persuasion. <laughs> persuasion. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Travis, you got another game. This one on a bit of a smaller screen. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, uh, all right, so uh, recently, I think, for the end of the last semester, when I was in there, a friend got me onto this iOS game. And it's not only iOS, you can actually get it on the Google Play Store, as well as the Amazon Marketplace. If you decide to get the fire, go for it. Um, but it's called Brave Frontier, and I'm actually going to load it up right now once I can get my phone to start working on it. Anyway, it's by the creators, uh, I'll turn it toward the screen. Alien and Gumi, if you didn't see that. And it starts off very nice splash art loading screen. And it does take a little bit of connecting, especially the first time going in. Now, while it's loading, um, the game is kind of... The best I can describe it is as an old-style Final Fantasy game mixed with Pokemon. Now, I say Final Fantasy because, you know, back in the old days, Final Fantasy was a turn-based type of fighting game. You had your team, then you had their team, and then you trade turns attacking or defending, using potions or magic, that kind of stuff. Uh, Pokemon, in the way that you the units you get, can be evolved. So here's a view of the um, the main screen. You see your team up top, and then you have like a rotating bar of things to do. Um, the whole game is about collecting these units, making it through the story of kind of a land that was wrecked by some fallen gods. I like that a lot. I like fallen gods. Good idea. Uh, there's a social aspect of the game where you can have friends that is cross-platform. I have multiple friends that play on Android devices or on Amazon devices while I have the iOS version. Um, now, the only thing I'm really going to show you is a quick and simple arena battle. Normally, you would control your team, but here it takes about 15 seconds the computer controls for you. Now, basically, you enter into the arena, and it pairs you up with someone to fight against. And you press the battle button. You use one of your orbs, and it will start it up like that. And you see the other guy lined up on the other side, and me on mine. And then it will take you through the turn-based type of attack. If you're attacking another person, you go first. Then they attack you, and, you know, as with any other game, your goal is to completely annihilate anybody on the other team while taking as little casualties as you can, which I failed at. Now, each person, as you just saw, has something called a Brave Burst, which is kind of like a super move. It either buffs your team, takes out the enemy team's defense, attacks, or heals. Now, 
if I can read backwards, I believe I'm winning. But either way, it, for me and for the other people who have played it, it's become kind of an addicting thing. Now, one reason I like this game quite a bit is because it uses a very, in my opinion, overused energy type of system, where to do a mission, it costs energy, and that energy refills incredibly slowly. It's for one energy, it takes 10 minutes, and I, being at 82, have 77, and I calculated this out talking to Sean earlier, it takes about 13 hours for me to go from zero to full. Now, to, I guess, circumvent that if you're not patient, they have a gem system where you can use real money in in-app purchases to buy a gem, which will refill your energy, or if your team dies in, the, uh, in battle, you can revive them. Now, what I like about this game, what I really got into is the fact that they pretty much start handing you gems as soon as you go in. You get them from uh, events. There's an event they're having now where they just hit 700 or 600,000 likes on Facebook. So for the next seven days, we get one gem a day. Uh, if you beat a certain mission or a certain level throughout the game, free gems. If you rise in arena ranks, free gems. Just all over the place, to be entirely honest. And besides, you know, refilling things, they also allow you to get new and better units when you get five of them. Um, it's this that really got me into it. The fact that in-app purchases are not mandatory. Uh, there is a dedicated Reddit to the game. And on this Reddit, there is a legion of free-to-play players, of which I'm a part. And they and I have not spent a dime on this game. And we are actually not doing too bad. So if you are interested in that type of thing, go ahead and give it a shot. Um, and I mean, for other people, it may not hold the same value as it does for me, but I like the old school kind of turn-based fighting games. And it's really refreshing for me to see uh, in-app purchase type of app that doesn't force you all the time to make in-app purchases. Very cool. My only question is, if I challenge you in the game, will you go easy on me? Maybe. Probably not. Ah, <laughs> see, that's what I get you. Uh, very cool. No, it's, it's cool to see a game you're so excited about. If you want to tr uh, challenge Travis, it's Brave Frontier. Uh, it's free to download on all the platforms. So uh, check that out. Very cool. All right. Well, that uh, can you believe it? Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. That clues opaque. Travis, my goodness. So fun having you. Hey, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me again. We, we, we appreciate it. Uh, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Plug or promote? I know. Um, I, we, no one ever does, but I want to at least offer. You were nice enough to come on. I mean, nothing to the audience at large, but hey, Colby, you should definitely add me on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, yeah. That's my We're plug. Gonna, I'm we'll, plugging myself we'll, to you. We'll exchange details after this. You can be my second friend. Nice. First is so overrated. You know what? That's probably one of <laughs> the best plugs it. we've had, so that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. And, of course, Colby, as always, a pleasure. Uh, Colby will be back next week along with our compadre, Dan Miller. Uh, Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, as I said before, with Google I.O. coverage wall-to-wall. -wall. Uh, what weird thing will Sergey Brin or Larry Page say? We're going to find out. Uh, join us then. Don'tPanic.io is our website. You're going to get all the information on all the episodes there. 
and we recommend you do that. Uh, I also want to thank fan Liz Jasko, who's been uh, tweeting with us the entire episode. We love our fans. At Don't Panic Show on Twitter is our account. Uh, I monitor it during the show, so if you tweet at us, who knows? Maybe I'll mention you on the show. Uh, very cool. Well, thank you all for watching. We'll see you next Monday on another edition of Don't Panic. This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv. 